How are you guys doing this morning? Y'all doing good? Hey, all the mothers in the house, we salute you. Happy Mother's Day. So, hey, real quick, um, I am excited about this message. I feel like it is going to encourage you. We have been in a planted series. Brian preached a message last week, and this is part two of planted. And we're going to read Psalms chapter one, verse three. And that's kind of our theme verse for this series. So Psalms chapter one, verse three, we're going to put it up on the screen. There it is. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither and everything. Somebody say everything. Look at your neighbor and say, I said everything. Everything he or she shall do, does he or she shall do. Do you like that? I'm making up my own language. Does shall prosper and come to maturity. And the scripture that we're going to be looking at today as we do part two is Psalm 122, verse one. And it says this, and I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of of the Lord. Can I pray with you this morning as we get started? Jesus, we just declare that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I just thank you that every ear be open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Hey, if you're taking notes this morning, and I hope you are, because we have a saying here at this church that paper never forgets. I'll forget what I preach. You'll forget what I preach. But if we write it down, none of us will forget. Amen. Um, If you're writing notes, title this message, The Happiest Place on Earth. The Happiest Place on Earth. I love Disneyland. Oh, you guys are my people. First service didn't get it. Okay, I'll say that again. I love Disneyland. I love Disney World. How many Disney World people do we have in the place? How many Disneyland people do we have in the place? I like Disneyland better than Disney World. Maybe it's because my family's in California. I don't know. But Disneyland is my preference. If I could choose between the two, I pick Disneyland. I love everything about Disneyland. I love the rides. I love the park. I love the landscaping. I love the people. I even think at Disneyland, even their parking garages are more fabulous than a normal parking garage because they've got it where you look out and you can see the lush greenery that just goes on forever and and the bushes are carved into Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and and it just looks like a fantasy land just looking out and the anticipation's building as you're watching kids walk up dressed up like Cinderella and and even grown men have on Mickey Mouse ears and, and Donald Duck. I mean, really, when you think about it, Disney's the only place where it's socially acceptable to act like a complete nerd all the time. I mean, you never know what might happen. You'll just be walking through the streets and all of a sudden a whole musical will break out around you and they pull up in cars and they're getting off and it's like you're living inside of a movie. You never know what's going to happen. We were uh, there at Disneyland and all of a sudden we heard this drum beat and we didn't know what was happening and here comes Andy's Toys. From the movies, Toy Story, the army men, all the little soldiers, and they put on a show, and my kids are like, this is awesome. 
And I had tried to tell them forever before they had gone to Disneyland the, the extreme magnificence that is Disneyland. I tried to tell them about the food. I tried to tell them about the sights. I tried to tell them about the rides and how Mickey's going to be there, real Mickey Mouse and, and real Minnie. Yes, I do think that they're the real thing. And uh, you can't tell me otherwise. Mickey kissed me. Um, side note. True story, right in front of my husband. He knows about it. Um, I asked for forgiveness later, but how many of you can say you've been kissed by Mickey? Yeah, pretty sure it's just me. Anyways, <laughs> telling you still got it. <laughs> um, I tried to tell them about it, and as we were getting ready for our trip this last summer, and we're packing our bags, and we're buying Disney shirts, because you have to wear Mickey Mouse shirts when you go to Disneyland. You can't just show up in regular clothes. You have to be dressed. You have to be ready, and, and I'm trying to explain to them how great it's going to be and how awesome it's going to be, and they asked me this question. They're like, okay, Mom, we get it. Disneyland's really awesome, so is it kind of like Six Flags? I'm like, No. Six Flags would be like the third cousin twice removed step cousin living by a trailer down by the river compared to Disneyland. Like there's no comparison. Like there, Six Flags is like down here and Disneyland's like on a whole nother planet. And they just didn't get it no matter how much I explained or anything. And then we get there and then they got it. And even my husband, I kept telling him, you've never seen fireworks till you've seen fireworks at Disneyland. He's like, really, Crystal? Because we've seen Silver Springs fireworks. Y'all just don't know. Y'all don't know. And he's like, really, Crystal? And so the final night we were there, we stayed late. The kids were tired. And we're, here comes the fireworks show. How many of you have ever stayed for the fireworks show? And here, I, here we are watching it, and I look over at Brian, and he's got big tears. <laughs> he's totally choked up, and he was like, that was really good. <laughs> that was really good. He swears he didn't cry. I was there. I'm preaching, so y'all get my story. <laughs> he was like, okay, I get it. And I told him, I was like, you ain't ever seen fireworks like that, have you? He's like, no, I've never seen fireworks like that. There's something about Disneyland, and it's when you go, it's like you get it. It's, you can try to explain it to people that have never been, and you try to tell them, yeah, we just dropped $1,200 just to get in the front door, and they're like, what? You're crazy, but then they go, and they get it, and they are budgeting. They're saving their money. They're like scraping pennies underneath the couch all year just to save up money to get back to Disneyland. Once you go, you get it. I it wasn't too long back. I went to get my hair done, and as a pastor, um, everywhere you go turns into a counseling session. I didn't know if you guys know that. Um, if we go to get a massage and and you lay down, so the massage therapist will, in passing, just say, "Well, what do you do?" and and you make the mistake of saying, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and then for the next hour, that turns into a counseling session, and she's crying, and you're counseling her through her marriage and everything else, lead her to Christ, and you leave with no massage and paying her $127. Praise the Lord. Amen. You should be paying me. I should not be paying you. And so when you go to get your hair done, you sit down in the chair, and as it does, Isaiah, they're going to ask you what you do. I now say that I am a motivational speaker. I like to give fun talks, and that kind of ends the conversation. But this one, she goes, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a pastor. And she goes, oh, oh. She goes, I, I don't like church. I was like, really? Me neither. <laughs> 
I don't like church either. And she goes, but you just said you're a pastor. I was like, yeah, I know. I don't like it either. And she goes, I don't like church people. I said, me neither. Oh, my gosh. We're like the same person. And she's like, okay, well, you're a pastor. I'm like, yeah. And she goes, do you like your church? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love my church. I was like, you've never been to my church. That's why you don't like church. That's why you don't like church people because you've never been to my church. And she's like, well, what is it like? And I'm like, you just, you have to come. Like, you have to come, and you have to experience it. You just don't understand. And she goes, well, Crystal, I, I just need to let you know that I'm an alcoholic. And I said, that's great. We have alcoholics in our church. <laughs> and she goes, you do? And I said, oh, yeah. I said, we've got them in our church. And she goes, but my marriage is broken, and it's been on the rocks, and I hate my husband. I said, that's great. we got women who hate their husband at my church, too. And she goes, okay, I think I'll come to your church. Your church sounds like it's right up my alley. I was like, you know what, just come. I was like, I promise you this, you can slip in on the back row. I won't even act like I know you. Just slip in, slip out. And I said, but once you come, you'll see what I'm talking about. She came to that service, gave her heart to Jesus. She got delivered from alcoholism. Her and her husband are still married. They're serving in God's house, and he completely restored her. Not only is she and her husband in the church, but their entire family is serving in God's house. Come on, somebody give up a hand clap of praise in this place. Now, that didn't happen because I told her about it. It happened because she came and she experienced it. She came, and once she saw it, I love what the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. See, I can describe some things to you, but until you try it for yourself, you'll never understand how great it is. And it's the emotion that's invoked when you experience something that in turn will either make you want to grow or make you want to stay away in your affection for that place. I love that the scripture said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I was what? Glad. Just the mere mention of church invoked an emotion in the writer who is David of the psalm that he was so passionate about God's house. It made him excited to even think about going to church. You know, I want to challenge you in this place. It's not, it's not as important that you come to God's house, but your kids are watching the way you come to God's house. It's great if you're checking it off your religious to-do list. That's awesome. But if you're griping all day that, oh, we got to go to church. Everybody get in the car. We got to go sit through this. Come on. And then you're grumpy when you're getting them out. And you're grumpy as you're talking about the pastor's message, how terrible it was on the way home. Then what's going to happen is your kids aren't going to have a love for God's house. I was glad when they said unto me. See, David took delight in being faithful in God's house. He was honored to be a part in God's house. We don't have to go to church. We get to go to church. You know, my kids are passionate about God's house. They love our church. It's not something that we do on Sunday mornings. It's something that we are. And, and they're actually the best inviters you'll ever see. They're a bringer like nobody else. They're constantly telling Telling people about our church, trying to get them to our church. They're like, you've never been to a church like this. Like, you've got to come with me. Why? Because we're passionate about God's house. Your kids will be passionate about whatever you're passionate about, mom and dad. Example is, we're, we're Aggies at my house. Whoop. 
Any Aggies in the house? Anybody? Okay, I'll take a few of you. It's okay. We're strong. We'll unite. We're, we're going to have a great season. So any, uh, yeah, Longhorns? Yeah. Sad for y'all. Sad for y'all. When's the last time you won anything? Anyways, moving right along. Sorry. Lord, forgive me. Anyways, but my kids, they've, they've grown up in an Aggie culture. It's, it's what we do. It's part of who we are. I, I love football season at my house. The TV's on on Saturdays. There's no question. We'll never have Saturday night service in this church. You know why? Because of football season. We've got to watch college football, Isaiah. Yes, it is that important. So, I mean, you're guaranteed to never have Saturday night service. Rest at ease. Just there. Just don't you feel the pressure just lifting right there. I mean, we love it. It's part of who we are. It's part of what we do. We're always talking about it. So in turn, my kids, when we go places, what kind of collegiate gear do they want to buy? They want to buy A&M stuff. What yells do they know? They know A&M yells. They know our songs. They know everything. Why? It's part of who they are because it's part of what we do all the time. Let me encourage you parents that your kids are going to be passionate about what you're passionate about. We don't have to serve in God's house. We get to serve in God's house. It's an honor to be in this place. It's an honor to be a part of the local church. My kids, when they go stay the night at places, they'll be so excited to go stay with their friends. But their number one question always is this, is mom, will I be able to make it back on Sunday so I get to go to my church? They love God's house. I think if there's anything that we can instill in our kids, it's a love and an adoration with God's house. It is something that will go with them through all their lives. It is a love that will help endure them through the hardest of seasons. And it's a love that will help encourage them through the best of times. Amen. Lasting enjoyment doesn't come from a store or from a theme park. It comes, it's found in no other place but the local church. I was glad when they said unto me. You know why he was glad? It's because in the church is where broken hearts get mended again. In the church is where people come in as victims and they leave as victors. In the church is where people come in with sickness and they've had diagnoses uh, declared over their bodies. And in one moment, God's presence touches them and they're completely healed and set free. I was glad when they send unto me. Why are they glad? Because this is the place that marriages are restored. This is the place that depression breaks off. This is the place. Why are they glad? Because it's the place that they found their hope. It's the place that they found their joy. It's the place that they found a new beginning. I was glad when they said unto me, you know, I love the progression of this text because David starts out as singular. I was glad when they said unto me, there's two days in your life. The first day, have you ever, just in a side note, have you ever been talking to somebody and they tell you, Mom, well, you know what they say. There's all these things that are they say. You know, can your kid have honey before the age of one? Well, you know what they say. You know, I'm the mom that fed them peanut butter before they were one years old. Sorry about that. Um, well, you know what they say, they. And there's all these rules with they. And I, I just wonder, who is they? They is Google. <laughs> They is a Facebook post that you found somewhere along the way and that somebody and somebody and somebody shared through time and now it's become they. There's two days in your life. The first day that I want to ask you is who are you looking up to? Who are you looking up to? There is there somebody in your life that challenges you to dream bigger? I was glad when they said unto me, they weren't happy to just leave David where he was in this psalm. 
They were encouraging him into somewhere else, encouraging him into the place where he was going. Do you have somebody in your life that's speaking destiny and purpose into your life? Um, I read a statistic, you know, they... Um, I read a they say the other day, and it says that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. That means you're the average of their wealth. Your marriage is going to be the average of their marriage. Your family is going to look like the average of their families. Let me just break it down this way. If all you're hanging out with with people who are broke, busted, and disgusted, then what are you going to be an average of? Broke, busted, and disgusted. I want to hang out with people who are overcomers. I want to hang out with people who are doing more than me. I want to have some people in my life that are theys that are encouraging me to become more, dream more, be more. I want to hang out with people. I don't want to just hang out with people that are on the same financial level as me. Now, it's okay to have friends and things like that, but you need somebody in your life to look in and to challenge you and say, you know what, it's not okay for you to stay at this level. You're more than this. You are created for more than this. You can be more than this, and this is why I love community groups. I love my community group. Every Thursday night, we meet at my house. We eat good food because that's my first rule is that we eat good. Amen. And uh, my second rule is that we have fun. And uh, we meet together every Thursday. And we had a one of our members of our community group come in this week. And she had gotten a really bad diagnosis from her doctor. And the diagnosis was cancer. And she had reached out to us, and so as a community group, we were, we were going to pray for her, because that's what you do. You pray. You believe God to heal her body of cancer. But what I loved, Brad, is this, is as she told her story and about how she got the diagnosis of cancer, two other people in the room, are y'all ready for this? Two. Say two. Two other people in the room had cancer in the last year and had gotten through it. So as she was sharing her story, then their stories began to open up. And they began to let her know, you're not going to live here. You're going to get through this. See, they were the they in her life that were coaching her through to the other side. You need a they in your life. Somebody to look you in and say, I've fought that battle and I won it. You don't have to. This isn't, you're not going to die. This isn't the end. This is only the beginning and they begin to pour life into her and I began to watch that happen I thought this is what church is about it's one person winning a battle not to win it to say I'm awesome but to win it to let others know that they can win it too come on somebody that's what church is all about I was glad when they said unto me do you have a they that's coaching purpose in you do you have a they that looks at you and says you're gonna write great books you're gonna stand on great platforms you are gonna open that business. You are going to do this thing. We're called to encourage each other into our purpose, but if all you're surrounding yourself with are people who are victims just like you, you're never going to win the victories that God has for you. Come on. I, I want some days in my life. Who's the they in your life? The next thing, uh, they, there's two days. The first day is the days that are coaching you up, but I want to ask you, who are you a they to? Who are you inspiring? When's the last time that you reached out to somebody, you made time for somebody, you just stopped your busy life to begin to reach out to one person? You know, uh, whenever I got married, I was a mess. I was a total mess. I want to just kind of paint this for you. I went from being completely backslidden, living in the world, getting saved, getting married, and becoming in the ministry. Like in one year time. 
Somebody could tell, like, it's like, woo. I look back on that, and I'm like, man, that was a busy year. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what it was to be a pastor's wife. I didn't know what it was to, um, to live this Christian wife thing. I didn't know what it was to do all this. And there was a lady in our church, and her name was Lynette King. And she came up to me, and she said, can I take you out to dinner? And she took me out as Brian was at, gone at work. And she sat there, and she began to just talk to me about godly principles, about being a godly wife. She began to paint it out, not in a holy way that seemed so hard, but in a way that made me realize I can do this thing. She began to tell me what it was like to pray for your husband. She began to tell me what it's like to honor him, to love him, to serve him. And in that dinner, there were such rich deposits made in my life. And it wasn't from a pastor. It wasn't from a small group leader. It wasn't from a department head. But it was from somebody normal just taking the time to love somebody like me. I hear a lot of people sometimes, they go, well, I wish that I could, you know, hang out with Candace. She's so awesome. I mean, if me and her were best friends, you know, I would be serving the Lord like nobody's business. And I would sing a whole lot better. Well, I hang out with her and I don't sing any better, so good luck. (laughs) Um, But... The truth is, like me and Brian, I had somebody the other day, they said, well, it'd be really nice to do this with you or do that with you. And and I know everybody wants to hang out with a pastor or hang out with a department head, but if we were to meet with every person in our church for coffee, we would be booked for the next 18 months with just doing coffee dates. There's a lot of y'all. There's a whole lot of y'all. And that's not even feasible. And that's just giving you a small piece of our time. But, you know, there's somebody sitting on your row right now that you can be a they to, and they can be a they to you. There's somebody in a small group right now that's faced what you're facing, and they can encourage you better than I can encourage you. Because in that moment in my small group the other night, I don't know what it's like to receive a cancer diagnosis. I can't encourage her like those girls can, but those girls have been through it. So they can tell her what it's like. Who are you being a they to? I love this quote by Samuel Adams. It says this, if your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. It's small things. I think we make pouring into people's lives seem like so holy and so magnificent that it almost intimidates us to even try. I was raised in Southern California and my mom worked really, really hard. And at that time it was just me and my brother. I was six years old and uh, we were living in a little rent house and I still remember it. So remember my room, I can still see it in my mind's eyes. And we were there and my mom was busy and she was working a job and she had a lot going on and I didn't know how to tie my shoes. And mom had time for a lot of things but teaching me how to tie my shoes was not one of them because I was a slow learner. Um, I could barely walk, let alone tie my shoes, you know, walk without falling. I got skates for Christmas one year and I remember them getting repossessed within a week because I was injuring myself so much. Anyways, and so um, I didn't know how to tie my shoes. Well, we had a little elderly neighbor that lived next door to us and his name was Fred. And Fred told me, if you'll come over every night after dinner, then sit here on my front porch, then I'll teach you how to tie your shoes. So every night after dinner, I would run over to Fred's house, knock on his door, and we would sit there, and he'd teach me how to tie my shoes while my mom was busy cleaning the kitchen. It wasn't long, and I had learned how to tie my shoes, and so my relationship with Fred began to develop, and he began to just talk to me just about life stuff, funny stuff. He'd ask me about my day, and I'm 32 years old, and I still remember the conversations that were had on that front porch. You know, Fred wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a small group leader. There was nothing really amazing about Fred. 
but he took time for a girl like me. Who can you be a friend to? Who are you being a they to? Who are you encouraging? I was glad when they said unto me. I'm so glad somebody told David about the house of the Lord. I'm so glad somebody encouraged David into the house of the Lord. You could be that one person, that bright shining light that pulls somebody from darkness into the light. You could be that person that inspires them to keep running when they feel like giving up. Who are you being a they to? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. So here we have an individual moving to a they, and now he's become part of an us. There, I love that this doesn't have any qualifications in the invite. There was no, hey, do you want to go to the house of the Lord with us if you just do all these things? You've got to start living right. You've got to start being right. You've got to start doing right. You've got to have all these things, and then you can come and be part of us. Have you ever gone somewhere where it's awesome and everybody knows who you are? No. I, I have. When I go to Silver Springs, it's that way. It's, um, it's really amazing. I was grown, I've grown up there and everybody knows my parents. They're my claim to fame. And um, it's true. And I walk in places and I was just there yesterday. And I walked into a store and all of a sudden a shout from the back, Crystal, so glad you're here. Welcome home. So good to see you. How's the church going? How are the kids? The husband? Everything's good. Oh, we've missed you. We've missed you. I go into the next store. Same thing happens. And Missy, Brian's sister, she's like, I swear every store we walk into, it's like everybody knows who you are. And then I go to Rockwall and I walk in. And they're like, ma'am, you just entered through an exit door. Can you please go out and go back around? And I walk up to the cash register and I go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm returning this and um, I forgot my receipt, but um, I'm Crystal Sparks. <laughs> and they're like, I don't care who you are. If you don't have your receipt, you could be the Pope himself. You're not going to return this item. Now contrast to in Silver Springs, I just walk in. Oh, yeah, girl, we remember when you purchased that. Don't worry about that receipt. We all lose receipts. It's no big deal. It's fine. I love uh, Mama and Jimmy, Nancy uh, and Crystal and Inyer. Their parents own Mochi's in Sulphur Springs. It's a Mexican food place. And when I walk in, they're like, Crystal Sparks, it's so good to see you. We're so glad you're here. Are you just coming today or is your whole family coming? Oh, my whole family, we're all coming. Oh, then you need a table for 12. Okay, just one second. Let us clean that up for you. I go over to Rockwall and I'm like, hey, um, uh, we're going to need a table for 12. Yeah, we'll get to waiting. It's going to be a while. Can you bump us up? Uh, no. Well, I'm Crystal Sparks. Honey, I don't care who you are. Come on, somebody. You all know what I'm talking about? It's so good to walk in and feel like you're at home. You feel like this moment of belonging. I love that he says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. See, there was an invite and there was a feeling of belonging no matter what his response was to that invite. No matter his background, no matter his education, no matter his ethnicity, no matter his age, no matter what his background was in life, no matter the obstacles he was facing, he immediately with the invite became an us. My hope in this place is that when you walked in, you may have walked in a singular watching a they, but my hope is that you leave feeling like an us. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go. The word go there. They were letting them know it's going to be a journey. We're going to go on a journey. 
Why do I love the local church? Our church isn't a country club for perfect people to come in. We're all going on a journey together. And we haven't arrived till everybody gets there together. Everybody's on the journey. Let us go to the house of the Lord. In other words, they're letting them know we're going on a journey and we can't go unless we have you. Unless we go together. And it's going to be long and it's going to be hard. But we're all going to get there at the same time. They didn't come to declare to him, oh, I've been to the house of the Lord. I was in the house of the Lord. But they let him know, let's go on this journey together. I have this that I want to share with you today on Mother's Day. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. As this Mother's Day has taken on a whole new meaning. To those who lost a child this year, we want you to know that we mourn with you as your heart aches today. To those who are in the trenches of life with little ones every day and you wear the badge of food stains on your clothes and messy houses, we want you to know that we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage or failed adoptions, we want you to know we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fought with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment. We walk with you and we declare that next year you'll no longer just hold a promise in your heart, but you'll hold the fulfilled promise in your arms. To those who are mentor moms and spiritual moms, we want you to know that we still need you. To those who lost their moms, we want you to know we grieve with you. To those who lived with us through our driving tests, our school tests and our overall testing that we did on you as we grew up. We want you to know that we're better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and you long to be married and mothering your own children, we declare that God will give you the desires of your heart. To those who step parent, we want to remind you the impact that you are making in those children's lives is greater than you'll ever know. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, and yet that dream hasn't come true yet, we want you to know that we're believing with you. To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year as children move out and grow up in life, we want you to know that we're here for you as your life begins to change from everything you've known. To those who place their children up for adoption, we commend you for your selfless act. To those who are pregnant with a new life, both expected and a surprise, we anticipate the arrival of your little miracle. We promise to raise him or her with you. To the moms with grown children, though we have grown older and we have gone on to have families of our own, we want you to know that all we are and all that we will be, we owe to you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. Let us remember that we are all on this journey called life together. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. What is church? What is being planted in God's house? It's the mom with grown children looking at the mom coming in with the newborn baby and just letting her know you're going to get through this. 
It's the marriage that they're newly wed. Their marriage is on the rocks and they don't know if they're going to make it. And the couple who's been married for 50 years, letting them know, we've been there too and you're going to get through. What is church? It's the mom who's still believing for a child, looking at the mom holding a child and then believing together for a baby. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord together. I want to encourage you today, no matter how you found yourself coming in, you're no longer on this journey alone. We're all on this journey together. Let's do life together. Let's fall in love with God together. Let's raise our kids together. Let's let's do this thing and it's gonna be messy and we're gonna make mistakes and we're not asking for you to be perfect. We're, We're just asking you to go and to go with us.